What do you guys think? Pretty nifty, right? Give it up for our nifty cowboy. He's pretty cool. He, he may or may not come back to help us with another series, but, you know, we'll see how nifty he, he gets. Uh, but we are in this series, uh, My Anchor Is, and I wanted to bring this series uh, to a close um, with specific things in mind, and I just want to pause and take a look at the anchor that, that it is. If we're watching online, I don't know if you can see this picture of the anchor, um, but you can imagine in your mind, there's, as we look at the anchor, there's some specific points uh, when you draw an anchor that, that are there, starting at the top, really five main ones. The top is the ring, which, is, which we talked about last week, the, the tethering. Uh, if, if you have an anchor, just throw it overboard. If it's not connected to anything, it's no good, right? It's just, uh, it's just scrap metal, right? So uh, that is pretty important to have on your anchor, something to tether it to. And then there's a, at the top there are two points that come out like this, and then, the, and then at the bottom, the, the hooks, you could say, are on the bottom. And the anchor on the picture is actually not uh, quite what an anchor looked like. Actually, that top piece that looks like a cross, it needs to turn so that it faces the other way. Because if you had an anchor like this, it actually would be no help at all because it wouldn't actually dig into the sand. If you can imagine the anchor sinking to the bottom and hitting the bottom where the sand is, that hook at the top needs to be facing uh, in the opposite direction so that it's kind of like this, right? It makes a cross when you look down on it. And that means that when it hits the bottom, it, it actually hits the sand, digs into the sand, and then when it drags across the sand, it digs in deeper. That's the whole point. So uh, just, just in reference, as we look at that, it's an incorrect anchor, but it's okay. It's an anchor. So uh, as we think about that, there's really several points of the anchor that, that make it right. There's actually, uh, when you go out, if you're you know, seafaring and you know this, you would know that you need even more than one anchor. If you're going out uh, in the sea, you would need several because you have different types of sea bottoms, right? And they require different types of anchors, different size anchors uh, for whatever you're going to face. And when you go out, if you have the right anchor, you know what the anchor does, you can go out with confidence knowing that if situations come up, that you need them, you can use them. They're there, right? And so as we talked about the anchor in the series, the point was to understand and know and then to be able to utilize. And uh, I was thinking as I was doing this uh, and thinking about this this time around, wanting to bring out some understanding, uh, this story uh, kind of hit me where uh, it tells of, and it, uh, the news told of this story where some NFL guys went out in the Gulf of Mexico, and they uh, evidently didn't know how to use the anchor. They had one. Uh, they were out, and, and several NFL guys and a guy that was with them who hadn't played in the NFL yet, he was a rising star, and uh, they went out, uh, they laid anchor, they were having a good time, and then they needed to pull up anchor, and they couldn't get it up. And so instead of correctly using the anchor and backdragging it or using something else to pull it up, they throttled the, uh, the boat to pull it up and hoping that it would give enough. Uh, and of course it didn't. It just made it go deeper. And so it pulled the bottom of, or the back of that boat down into the water and water filled the boat and it sunk. And only one, there was only one survivor. There was, it's actually a tragic loss. Uh, because someone didn't know how to use what was there and meant to help them. It was there all along, now they used it, 
uh, and they didn't put it to its proper use, and then even, you know, just completely messed up. And I think about that, that one guy that, that made it, and I think, you know, when he got home, he probably, if he ever wanted to be on a boat again, you know he was like trying to figure out, okay, what does the anchor actually do and how do I use it? Because if I ever go on a boat again, I'm not going to get into that mess again. Or he said, I'm never going on a boat ever again. All right? it was, it's one or the other. Um, but as, a, as tragic as that story is, you know, there's that many tragedies we could probably bring up of lives that were going through stuff that didn't have access to an anchor through whatever storm they were going through. And you see tragedy happen. And you, if you've ever looked on at a life where you see tragic things happen, and you've looked on, you know they don't have God, or they have uh, God or, or some sort of understanding of who He is, but they don't have Him in the right place in their life, so therefore there's no strong relationship to draw from or carry them through the storm. You've watched on maybe with uh, anticipation of something tragic really is about to happen. And, and I, going through this series, what really, uh, you know, I guess called to me in this series was as I was praying for the church in this season and what's going on in the world is I read through Hebrews 6 and I read those words, an anchor to my soul. And I said, yes, something inside me said, yes, we need to be anchored and our soul needs to be anchored in this season, in any season of our life. And my prayer for you and my prayer for myself has been this, that I can go through stuff and, and, and even though on the outside and maybe on the frills of my life you see uh, chaos and, and things that are just rushed or, or messed up, but in the midst of it, my soul, when you drill, if you drill down into my soul, you would see a calm sea. You would see my soul, and I'd be able to say, my soul is well. It is well with my soul. And I would want that for you. And as I read through the scriptures and, and the characters that we've pressed into, I see it in them. And I'm saying, God, help me to get there. Help me to move towards this place where I know in the midst of stuff, it is well with my soul. Are you with me? You want that? So, so as I lean in, I look at this. And, and one thing that's, that's risen to the surface and rose to the surface for me that I knew I had to press into was this aspect we're going to drill into today. And that is... Uh, this question really is, who is God to me? Who is God to me, really? We, we know He could be an anchor to our life. We know He can be strong and firm and be a rescuer, be a savior. Right? He can be these things, but who is He to you? What is your testimony what is your testimony in the midst of stuff? What's coming out of you, whether it be word or action, what are people saying about your God? Because what they're saying about your God in this season is reflected on your testimony. What's coming out of you or what's being said or by action, they're getting from you. That's your testimony. David, one of the characters uh, we have followed through, says this in Psalm 46. He says this. You want to go with me in your Bibles? Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and very present. Say present. My very present help in trouble. 
In my times of need, other translations say. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its, its waters roar and foam, sounds a bit like life right now can be in our world right now. There's a roaring, there's a foaming, a frothing at the top and the surface. Though the mountains tremble and it's swelling. What is he testifying of? But my God is my refuge, my strength, and my very present help. Very present help. I would dare say today, as we talk about this, that in many of our lives, our testimony does not echo of this tone that David has. That God is my very present help in times of need. And I think from one main reason, we don't ask we don't ask. We have some boundaries up, some walls, maybe some pride. But David, his testimony, which we've looked at, has been echoing something different. That, and, and I would say, I'm going I'm to go back to Psalm 23. Are you guys sick of it yet? Say no for my sake. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're going to go back to Psalm 23. Everybody's like, yes, that, we, we know. Okay, so Psalm 23, we're going to go back there because I want to read it this time as a testimony of a guy whose season went through season after season of like tiring things, annoying things, frustrating things, times that he pushed God away, did his own thing, and times that he leaned into God. He comes through those seasons and lands with a testimony. What is that testimony? Hear this. I want us to read this again. This time hearing a testimony of a man worn out and worn through and now standing the test of time with his relationship with God. Here it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they actually comfort me. Do you hear the testament? Hear the I, the me, the my's? In there, this is a testimony of someone who's te been tested in this, and he's saying, No, this is, this is who you are in my life, God. This is who I am, and here's my posture. I need you. Help! Some of you getting nervous. I'm going here. I, I think we get stuck not asking for help. Matthew eleven twenty eight. in contrast, though, as to my posture towards God, as I described the other week, my hands out, pushing Him away, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think I'm speaking to a culture right now and to myself 
of a people that want to and are accustomed to making a way where there is no way. Can I get an amen? Like, we get it done around here, right? We get it done. There's something to do, we get it done. Because we're going to make a way. We're going to figure it out. I come from Kiwi culture, and Kiwis would say of themselves, or New Zealanders would say, you know, we just make a way. We, are, we got this Kiwi ingenuity going on, where if there's, you know, something broken, we fix it, you know, and we don't go to the store, and there's pride in that. Like, I didn't have to go to the store because I made a screw out of an old tin I found in the, in the yard. I just took it to the shop and I made a screw out of it. Don't ask me how, but I made it work, right? And, and so there's that pride in that, that I did it. I came up with a way. I took dirt and made man, or, or something like, you know, like I created something from nothing. Ugh, ugh, I got this. And that heart attitude, that grit of I can then pushes God to a place of what? What good is it having an anchor in the boat if you're like, hey, I'm going to figure this out? Right? Can you imagine the scene with a bunch of guys on the boat, right? And you're like, here's a good idea. I'm just going to throttle it hard, man. We're going to pull this thing right out. No one stopped to think of what an anchor is designed to do. Dig in. But let's just, yeah, we're just going to pull it up. So my I can attitude gets me into more trouble. And God's saying, here, I'm here. I'd love to help you. I'd love to be a resource to you. I'd love to guide you. I'd love to hold your hand. I'd love to you know, speak to you, whisper sweet nothings, anything. I mean, I'm here. We talked about these, these relationships in our lives and and I want to just, as we're talking about this, like ability or lack of the ability to ask for help when we really need it, and that attitude that just can get us stuck. In light of the three vitals that we talked about that tether us, the relationship means time, time with God, and, and yet we just don't do it. Relationship means time with those who influence us towards Christ, and, and being anchored would mean then time with those we influence towards God. But because I am capable and I can do it, therefore I don't spend time with God, time with others who influence me, and therefore, and I'm going to go right to the bottom, the third vital can almost become null and void because I don't do the first two right. If, and here's how it works. If I spend time with God asking for help, what am I admitting? I can't, right? I'm saying I, I'm moving from I can to I can't, I need you. The second vital then when people are influencing me, what do I go to them and say? I'm struggling. Help. Pray for me. What am I saying? I can't. And then what happens in the third vital, those people who are looking to be discipled, those people are looking for what? To be influenced towards God. If I model that, what are they looking at? They're saying, there's someone I can follow and relate with. Why? Because most people, all of us, are looking for influence in somebody who will be real enough and say, I'm a mess. And when we hear people be vulnerable enough and say, I need help, people come around that person and go, wow, that's awesome. I want to be just like you. 
Because I, you, you made yourself vulnerable, you invited God into it, and I saw you grow, and I, want, I know I need to grow like that too. And so our vulnerability in time we spend with God in relationship, and then our vulnerability with one another as we rub off of each other as believers and say, hey, I'm not okay with this, I need to grow here, I need prayer for this, I need help in this. That community happens, therefore we become more effective disciple makers. What do we got? Now we have a testimony. Without a story or a testimony of God's goodness in our life, we can be very much ineffective at making, at making disciples. How powerful were the words of Psalm 23, if not a testimony? If you didn't know David's story, but you just read those words, that's hey, great. But how much more powerful is it because we know his journey? He messed up. He went his own way. And yet he called on God at times and we saw him victorious. We go, oh man. So I can mess up. I can call on God and we can be good and we can journey together whether I'm messing up or whatever. That is cool. I want that. Do you want that? So what gets in our way? What's the barrier? Well, I love this statement. I don't know who said it. It's an unknown source. Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. Like what should be done, what can be done, what is right. That's the humble way. The prideful way is who is right. I get the, you know, I did it. I did it my way. You know, that the whole thing. Okay, good. Hebrews 4, though, if we're going into that, becomes almost irrelevant. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence, what? Draw near to the throne of grace. Throne of grace means I'm admitting I messed up, I am wrong, I have sinned, I have fallen short. Therefore, I need the throne of grace. And, and the call of God to us is draw near that we may receive mercy and find grace to what? Help in time of need. That is the call that God has us uh, for us. That he's, he's saying, come, 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 come. Why? Because he wants us to encounter and experience his goodness, his grace, so that we can live it out for others. Amen? Hebrews 6. This is the anchor for this whole series. The thing that jumped out at me was this. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure, come on, sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, oh man, I want that for us so bad that the testimony in the, the community in the county, when, when something is going on in somebody's life, they're reaching out to you saying, hey, what you have, I saw you walk through that, that, that peace you had, that calm you had, can you pray for me? I'm going through something. Can you pray for me? What is that? You didn't say anything, but your life became a testimony of what? God's goodness, His grace. That means they what? They have to know who your anchor is. Because if they don't know that you're depending on God, they might think you got something else that, that they don't. Man, now I'm preaching, right? Sorry. But I got three testimonies that should come out of us that people should know. 
This is what our community should know. These three testimonies of that calm, that soul thing that happens inside of us because God is our anchor. Three testimonies of this just coming out of Hebrews 6. I have hope because I know where my help comes from. People should know that. People should know where my help comes from. That when they say, man, what's going on? Well, I have hope because I know where my help's from, coming from. And they say, what's the next question? Where? And I say, right here. Actually, right here. God is for me, not against me. Or whatever verse you want to pull in that you've personalized, that you're saying, this is my God. He is where my help comes from. Verse 20 of Hebrews 6, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. This verse calls this out, that there is one who has gone before you, who's marking a way out for you, who's saying, hey, uh, it would be cool if you asked for help because I've actually gone ahead of you. I'm, I'm marking out a race for you to run. If you ask for help, I can help guide you on that. That's pretty cool. He's gone before you. He's mapped out a way. He's got a journey. He lived here a perfect life. He's done what, you've, what you're going through. He's lived it out. So why wouldn't we ask for help? There's one glaring obvious thing is, is, is it can only be our pride. Some of us need to get over ourselves, I think. I want this testimony to be uh, heard by my life and heard in words that I have help. And I put there, he is the high priest, his name is Jesus, because he did that. He's... Um, our, our greatest help, the biggest help he has been to us is that he's taken sin and he has dealt with it. Sin is our big issue, major issue. It's why we have pride. And he said, I've already helped you with that. Next. <laughs> no amens there. Um, but when I say in my verbiage, praise God, somebody like, you know, says, hey, this happened, this happened. I say, oh, man, praise God. I'm not just celebrating. I'm literally celebrating the one who needs the, the props because I know that I was praying for you or you asked for help. You said, hey, pray for me. I'm saying praise God because together we need to give affirmation to the one who came in and rescued you. Amen. And so that's the testimony that we should have that should be coming out of us as a community. The second is this. I have hope because I know where I'm ultimately going. So why is that hopeful? Well, it's absolutely hopeful because, man, I'm living in this, going out into the sea, out into the rough stuff that's happening. I might lose my life going through this. But guess what? It don't matter because I know where I'm going. Man, my confidence in that has been really annoying to some people. Like Jesus was really annoying to some people and he walked so confident that like just rubbed people the wrong way. How can you be so confident? You the son of God. I want that confidence that annoys people, man. Because it means I'm actually getting what Jesus had for real. That, that confidence that I know where I'm going. Let's go. My faith is tested in that, that I, I'm just, I'm going because I know where ultimately I'm going. So I have confidence in that. I'm really just drawing this from verse, verse 20 where he's setting this up. He's saying he's, he has become this high priest forever 
after the order of Melchizedek. That means there's no other high priest that we have to go through. I go through Jesus alone forever and ever. So when I stand before God and I read through the other, the other portions of Hebrews, I know that I'm going to stand there and, and, and what God sees is, is Jesus' life. His blood covers my sin. And so I know for sure. My mom annoyed people. She's a bit of an evangelist. So I'd be going places, and, and, and she'd talk to some people. And, and I got a little nervous every time she talked to a stranger. And I'd be sitting there. I'd start to shrink back in the background. You know, she's talking to another stranger. She's talking, and then all of a sudden, I'd hear it, the inroad to a, a gospel presentation. And she would say, do you know where you're going to go if you die today? Do you know that you're going to go to heaven? And they would say yes or no. And then my mom would lead them through the salvation prayer. And then she'd say to them, hey, well, I'm probably never going to see you again. So when you die, just uh, when you enter the gates of heaven, I'll be on the second tree on the left and I'll see you there. I'll welcome you. And she would say it with such certainty. I'd just be like, oh, you know, people, it's got to be annoying to some people that confidence you have. But now, man, what a testimony that that faith and, and story that impressed on me that there was no doubt and there never has been any doubt that my mom will be standing one day celebrating with all the lives that come through that gate that she's interacted with, that maybe she only interacted with one time. On the other side of eternity, she's going to be waiting and celebrating. Come on. Someone get excited. That's a good thing to be doing, right? So what if our testimony, what if our story, which is our life, emanated this, that people knew that you were confident that you knew where you were going. And as you walked out into your life, you personally, that was part of your story, that you knew, I'm going to test this. I'm going to go into this thing confident because I know ultimately where I'm going. That is the testimony that people should be getting. The third testimony I have Hope, because his promises are not contingent on my holiness. Come on, my confidence is not in how good I am, but on how good he is. It's not on how good I can be or have been, right? It's on the fact that his blood was shed on the cross and his blood covers my sins, so holiness is no longer a deal if I believe in him, and I believe he did what he did on the cross, dying for my sins, being raised to life on the third day. If I put my faith and trust and hope in him, I will be with him in paradise. I know that. He's covered my sin. Therefore, my testimony, my story is every promise, every promise that comes out of the Word of God is not distancing itself or coming closer to me based on how I act. Do you get that? So if I can live really, really well, that promise that God says is there, I might get it. No. Because Jesus died on the cross for you, that promise in the Word of God is yours right now. And one awesome one which needs to be grabbed by us in this series is this, is that we need to ask more. Ask more. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will. Knock and it will be open to you. Ask. If we don't ask, we don't get. I come from a bigger family and I know that to be true. You don't ask, you don't get. 
We a big family and a father looking on, a good father loves you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come because I want us to respond to this asking thing. I want us to, to come out of this series postured to say, you know what? I know I need help, so therefore I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to stop posturing myself like, woe is me, I don't deserve it. That is true, you don't deserve it. But he called you out of that to come confidently, boldly to the throne of grace and ask. And he says, if you ask, you receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. So if you're going into a storm, if you're in a storm right now and everything's turning, everything's churning and everything's bubbling up like is out in the world, you can know my soul is well because who's in my soul? The one who calms the storm. And if I ask, he will calm it right now. If I need peace, he will come and bring peace right now. Why? Because he called, that's what he offers. The only thing holding me back from that is then asking. I'm holding me back. I'm keeping me stuck. My pride might be in the way. If that testimony is not coming out of my life right now, I might be in the way. I might be in the way. Would you just stand and respond with me to this message today? As I pray, I would ask you everybody to close your eyes and we're just going to respond and ask God to, to move in our midst today and the team's going to uh, lead us in worship kind of a response to this call to come into this relationship with God in such a way that we would posture ourselves, God, we want our lives to be a testimony of your goodness. God, we want our lives to be a testimony that your promises are true. God, we want our lives to be a testimony that you're a good, good, faithful Father. God, we want our lives to be a testimony that you're a very present help in our time of need. God, we want our lives to be a testimony of, of seeing lives that are not all put together and perfect, but we have a relationship with a God who is and who wants to help no matter what's going on. And Father, we, we, we just uh, confess, Lord, if we've been trying to make ourselves look better than we are so, so that people think we've got it all together. God, we just confess that, that pride and we say sorry today, God. We want you to move us to change. We want that to come off of our lives today so that people can see the mess or the things that aren't right that you are putting right in our lives. God, we want to invite you close and others close so in community we can grow. We can grow through this stuff and we can see a soul being made well and souls being made well. And Father, experience what it is to, to hear your voice calming storms in people's lives on our behalf as we ask, Lord God. And Father, if we have been in, in stuff doing things our own, God, own way and trying to make it happen, God, we just confess and say, sorry, God. We want to put you into and invite you into the stuff of our lives and those lives that are around us. And we want to see you move in mighty ways and powerful ways. So God, we just invite you to move and we ask that you do that in our midst, in our community, in our world right now. We want to have testimonies and our life to be a testimony of your goodness. In Jesus' name, everybody say it.